to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. Well, before I preach, I thought I'd sing a little bit, especially a song that would really apply in this time we're in with this coronavirus. It's one of my favorite. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There've been times I didn't know right from wrong. Oh, but in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong That's why I'm singing through it all Oh, through it all I know that I've learned to trust in Jesus And I've learned to trust in God Oh, through it all Yes, through it all I have learned to depend upon His Word. This is true. I've been a lot of places. I've seen so many, many faces. Yet there have been times i felt so all alone. Here's what I found. Oh, but it's in those lonely hours Yes, those precious lonely hours That Jesus let me know That I was his own Come on, y'all might want to help me sing it at home Sing through it all Oh, through it all Oh, I've learned to trust in Jesus And I've learned to trust in God Oh, through it all, yes, through it all, oh, I've learned to depend upon His Word. This has always been my favorite verse. I thank God for the mountains, and I thank Him for the valleys. I even thank him for the storms he's brought me through. This is going to bless somebody right here. Come on, y'all. Because if I never had a problem, I'd never know that my God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in his word can do. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. I'm singing through it all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus, and I've learned to trust in God. Oh, through it all, through every trial, and through it all, every tribulation, I've learned to depend upon His Word. You know that I've learned to depend upon his word oh yes I've learned to 
depend upon his word. Hallelujah. Thank God through everything we come through. God's there with us. Jesus is standing beside us. The angels are encamped around us. And we get through it just like we're getting through this crisis we're in. So good to see you this morning on this Palm Sunday. Hallelujah. The time when in the church we often think about uh, the cross and the sufferings of Jesus. And and then uh, this upcoming Friday will be Good Friday when we truly think about Jesus dying on the cross and I hope this Friday, whatever you're doing, you'll stop and take time to think about that Jesus died on that Friday. Uh, But, hallelujah, Sunday was coming. And next Sunday will be Easter Sunday. And I know we won't be together. It's very strange for me. 32 years of full-time ministry. This will be the first time I won't have a church to preach to in a a sanctuary on Easter Sunday, but we're going to come to you next Sunday with a special presentation. I've got a special message I'm going to preach, and through technology, we're going to continue to be together. Normally on this Sunday, Palm Sunday, I would preach on the cross, but because I'm in this series uh, entitled We Don't Handle Snakes, I am doing something a little different, and I'm going to finish this series And I'm going to talk about uh, what it means to be spirit-filled one more time. So there at home, if you have your Bibles, whether that's uh, a literal Bible or a uh, technical Bible, a virtual Bible there in your phone, whatever, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. I want to just read one verse, and that verse will sort of set the tone for what I want to preach about today. And it goes like this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Well, let me just start by saying this. There is a natural world, and there is a physical world. Now, if you're you're born again and you've been in church, I think you probably have a grasp on this. There is a natural world, the world that we live in, this physical material world that we dwell in and interact with, but there's also a spiritual world. It's the realm of God and angels and demons. And because you are a trichotomy, you are a three-part person, you have a body, a soul, and a spirit, then you are able to experience both the natural world and the spiritual world. I like to say this, your body with its five senses is the gateway to the natural world. Your soul is the gateway to yourself. But your spirit is the gateway to God. Now here's what I want you to get this morning, right out the gate. See if you can get your your hands around this, your mind around this. There are times when the natural world and the spiritual world intersect for the spirit-filled believer. They come together. Let me give you examples. Uh, When you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, I I think that's where the spiritual world intersects with your physical, natural world, and it's a powerful moment. I think anytime the gifts of the Spirit, I preached on those, taught on those last week, anytime the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, the supernatural is manifested through us, then the the natural and the spiritual worlds 
are coming together. Now, when that happens, uh, it, 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 it's, it, it can be, it's, it can be uh, moving. It can be, uh, it can have a powerful effect on you. Let me say it like that. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to use an example. Have you ever been shocked by electricity? I know I have. There have been times when I was wiring a light in my house or putting in a new socket or something like that, uh, and, and I just, and, and normally I get it right, but I forgot, you know, to, to flip the breaker switch. And there's a hot wire there, and so I don't, I forget, I don't realize it. And as I'm going to, to make the connection, I get shocked. Now, I'm going to tell you, when you get shocked by electricity, you don't just stand there quietly and soberly and very somberly say, well, I feel something. There's something happening right now. There's electricity surging through me. This is interesting. That's not what you do. When electricity shocks you, you'll jerk. You'll yell. You might even jump a little bit. Why? Because it's affecting you. It's having an effect on your body, on your nervous system. And here's why. Because your body, your natural body, is not designed to handle the volts that come in electricity. It's, it's, it's not made to carry it and to handle it. And so it affects you. You respond to it. You react to it. And I want to take that analogy and I want you to think about it as we talk about the spiritual and the natural world coming together. Your body is not designed to handle the power of God. We're talking about the supernatural power of God. Your body can't handle it when it when it surges through your being. And so you need to understand that when the glory of God and the power of God touches you, there may be a reaction on your part that's not going to be somber and reverent, but it might be loud and boisterous and, 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 and expressive because that's part of the dynamic of the power of God touching your body. Now, so that it doesn't just seem like I'm just making this up. Let me give you a perfect example. The day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is a perfect example of this. You had about 120 disciples praying. All right? Now, these men, there were men and women there. They were intelligent. They were, they were of a sound mind. They were, they were solid people. Uh, they were good people. They were moral people. Okay? They had good sense. All right? There was nothing about them that you would think was extravagant or, or extreme. They're praying. They're having church. When suddenly God pours out the Holy Spirit on them, and the response was that they spoke with other tongues. We know that. But there's more. If you continue to read the story in Acts 2, there were thousands of people there for the Feast of Pentecost. There were some who thought that they were drunk. They, were, they thought they were drunk because they were speaking in, in unknown tongues. Well, they thought it was gibberish. So they thought they were drunk and just speaking nonsensical words, you know. And, and that it's very possible that they were staggering and reeling and maybe even falling to the ground. I don't know. But, but my point is, when God poured out the Holy Spirit, they just didn't stand there somberly and say, Whoa, well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I just got filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, this is wonderful. I'm done going on my way. No, it had an impact on them. The natural 
meant the supernatural. And that's my point. We don't handle snakes. We don't, I, I've made that clear in four weeks of preaching. We don't handle snakes. Do you Pentecostals handle snakes? No. But let me tell you what is a dynamic of being spirit-filled. We believe that when the natural meets the supernatural of God, sometimes it can be more than the natural can stand. And so that's what we believe. And I, and I want to, for the, the remainder of this message, I want us to look at four human reactions to the manifestation of God's presence and power that are, that are unique, that are, uh, that are dynamics of Pentecostal or spirit-filled churches and spirit-filled people and these four human reactions are often misunderstood. And so I want to preach and teach on them today so that we can understand it better and it, and it can make sense to us and we can understand that they are biblical. Okay, so let's dive into this. Because ultimately, let me just say this. Ultimately, what I want to see, I'm not just here to dispense information. What I want to see is that I want to see us to accept these, understand them, and then just like I read in the verse, Take our liberty that we have in the Holy Spirit, okay? Take our liberty and be able to have these things occur in our lives as spirit-filled believers. So here's the first one. The first one I want to talk about is falling out under the power of God. Falling out under the power of God. So what is this? Uh, probably most of you know what this is, but some of you may say, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? Okay, this reaction occurs. When someone is so overwhelmed by the glory of God, by the presence and the power of God, that they can no longer stand up and they fall to the ground. Now, maybe you've seen this. Uh, if you haven't, that's okay. A uh, guy named Benny Hinn was on TV for years, and he, he would pray for people. And so it was probably on television a lot. If you ever watched it? Benny Hinn show or Benny Hinn crusade, he would pray for people. They would fall down. So a lot of people got to see that, that if they've never been in a Pentecostal church, they may never experience that before. I know I've prayed for countless people and, and God's power would come upon them. They would fall out uh, as I prayed for them. I've even had it happen to me uh, several times in my life. It's a wonderful, powerful experience. When I, I grew up, see, in a spirit-filled church, when I grew up, we would call it being slain in the spirit. That's, that's how it got passed down from generation to generation. What happened to that person? Oh, they just got slain in the spirit. Well, I don't know if that's the best verbiage or phraseology because when you think about somebody getting slain, you think about somebody getting killed. And if you read the story of Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, God literally slew them. They died because of sin. So I don't know if that's the, the best thing to say, uh, and, and, and that's why there can be some misunderstanding. Uh, I know that I have heard stories. I haven't had it happen to me, but I have heard stories of people who are in a spirit-filled church who had never been in a spirit-filled church, never been in a spirit-filled service. We're not familiar with falling out under the power of God, and they were, they were asked to go pray for people or they were observing, and people fell out under the power of God, they thought they had died, or they thought they had had a, a medical trauma, and, and they wanted to call 911 and get the ambulance there. <clears throat> so that's, 
you know, that's obviously, that, that, that's, that's how this can be misunderstood. But I want to show you from the Bible that this is a biblical thing. And you would be shocked if you knew how many times in the Bible there are stories of people who fell down to the ground because they were overwhelmed by the power of God. As a matter of fact, I'm going to start with the most unlikely category, and that's the category of sinful people. See, we think, okay, well, this if it happened, it happened to godly people. It happened to sinful people. There are three accounts in the Bible. The first one, and I love this story, is the story of the mob who arrested Jesus. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. Judas and the soldiers come to arrest him. It's dark. They've got to identify which one of the men there, Jesus is there with the disciples, is exactly Jesus. And he said to the crowd, who, who do you seek? And one of them said, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. And the Bible says that his response it was, I am he. But if you look in your Bible, the word he is italicized. It's not in the original language. It was added by the translator to make sense. But in the original, Jesus didn't say, I am he. He said, I am. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, I am is the covenant name of God. If you take the word Jehovah or Yahweh, it means I am. I am that I am. So it is the covenant name of God. It is one of the most revered, powerful representations of God and who he is. So Jesus is that moment is intentionally saying, I am. And the Bible says, the gospels say that when Jesus said, I am, that it, here's the implication. It doesn't exactly say, but the implication is the glory and the presence and the power of his divinity came over that mob. And the Bible says, it does say this, that they fell back to the ground, overwhelmed, like you had knocked them down with a bowling ball, knocking down bowling pins. Boom, 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 they all went down. And they jumped back up, trying to figure out what's going on. And Jesus said, now, who, do you, who are you looking for? And they said, uh, 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 Jesus of Nazareth. And he answered, you'll notice he answered a different way the second time. So that's an example of people who are not saved, but experiencing the power of God. Just a couple, three days later, <laughs> that was the eve of the crucifixion. Just a few days later, Jesus is in, a, is in the grave, okay? But he comes out in resurrection power, and two angels come down to roll back the stone as he comes out in that, on that resurrection morning. And when the angels <clears throat> manifested the power of God, the glory of God was manifested through them, there were Roman soldiers that were guarding the tomb. And the Bible says that when they saw those angels, that they, they fell to the ground. They drew back and fell to the ground, and they laid there like they were dead. See, I'll tell you another example is Saul, who eventually became the Apostle Paul. He was at that time old sinful Saul, persecuting the church, a blasphemer, a murderer. He's on the road to Damascus. He gets close to Damascus and a bright light shines from heaven on him. And the Bible says that when that light came upon him and Jesus begins to speak and the glory of God comes upon him, that he fell to the ground and, and, and that was the beginning of his conversion. Now in the Bible, obviously this happened to people who were saints of God or were godly. Let me give you some examples. The, the Daniel, in the book of Daniel, in the Old Testament, Daniel had divine revelation given to him and 
And twice the Bible says that Daniel in this revelation fell to the ground. Ezekiel had revelation given to him by God. Three times Ezekiel records that as he interacted with the supernatural glory and power of God and the, and the beings who were, who were representing that glory, he fell to the ground. When Elijah called down the fire from heaven and he consumed the sacrifice, the Bible says that when the children of Israel saw it, they fell to the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. <clears throat> Excuse me, John the Revelator. John said he got caught up in the spirit. He heard a voice speaking to him and he turned around and he saw Jesus, but it wasn't the Jesus that he saw who was a man walking the earth. Now he's the glorified son of God. John gives this tremendous description of Jesus and all of his glory. And after he describes Jesus with all of this glory, the next thing John said is, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. This was John who was close to Jesus, but when he experienced the glory of Jesus, it was more than he can handle. Now you may be at home saying, Pastor, why would anybody do that? Why would anybody fall to the ground? What's going on? I really gave this some thought through the years and I think I have an answer. The word for glory in the Hebrew is kabod. Kabod. And it means heavy. Weighty. Think of weights where you're lifting weights, okay? My wife bought one of those weighted blankets. And you get up under it and it, I don't I don't know if it's got sand in it or what, but you put and then it just wraps you and just weighs down on you. And it's supposed to be a soothing, comforting kind of thing. Maybe you've got that at home. And if you ever try to pick that thing up, it weighs, feels like it weighs 20 pounds. It's heavy, okay? That's what I'm talking about. The glory of God comes over you like that heavy blanket that my wife has at home. And that heaviness of God's glory, it's so heavy, it's so weighty, it's so overwhelming that you can't stand up under it. You just, you go weak and you give way and you crumble under the glory of God. You say, well, what's the point? Well, there, there is a point. There are several points. If it ever happens to you, don't get up too fast. I tell people, if you, we like, I, I like, I have a funny saying, and I don't mean it irreverently, but we talk, we call it having carpet time. You fall out, and you're on, now you're laying on the carpet doing carpet time. Here's what we tell people. Don't get up too fast. Lay there. Because uh, Daniel said, uh, or rather, Ezekiel said that as he laid there, when he fell out, the Spirit of the Lord came on him. And it may be that while you're laying there under the weight of the glory of God, praising and praying that God may baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Daniel and John both received these unbelievable revelations from the Lord. And I tell people, if you fall out in the power, lay there because God may speak to you. This happened to me in the South Carolina camp meeting years ago before I planted my, this church, High Praises Church. I knew God was dealing with me to plant a church. And I went up on the platform. There was an evangelist. He was laying hands on the pastors. He prayed for me, and I, I went out under the power of God. I'm laying on the, on the platform in Malden, South Carolina. And while I'm laying there, I began to hear the voice of God speaking to me, and God began to tell me about planting a church and speaking into my, my, my heart and my mind and my life what he wanted me to do. And, and, and 21 years later, here we are, a church we planted 21 years ago, High Praises Church. Listen, there, there is power in this, and there's also purpose in this. Now, let me just say this. 
So if it ever happens to you, don't fight it. By the way, people, I've seen people come in line and they say, I'm not, I'm not going down. Other people are getting prayed for and they're falling. I'm not going down. I'm going to lock my knees. Listen, if you're going to be like that, just go sit down. Don't even go through the prayer line because you're not going to get anything from God. God touches people like that who are hungry and open their spirits and receptive to say, God, I want everything you got from me. Those are the people that God touches and blesses who say, God, I, I, I let down all the walls. I let down all the restrictions. Have your way in my life. I just want to say this too. Uh, I, I have through the years seen preachers who would lay their hands on people and I guess they wanted people to fall out so bad. I've seen them do this. They would begin to push people as if they're trying to push them down. That should never, never, that should never happen. You don't have to help God in the manifestation of his glory. I've had times where I have barely touched the forehead of people, just barely touched them. And, the, and it's not me. God touched through me. I was just the vessel. But the power of God would come over them and they would fall down because they were ready for a move of God in their life. So that's one. That's different. I know. But it's a dynamic. We don't handle snakes. But we do sometimes fall down under the weight of God's glory. <clears throat> the second one I want to talk about, it's a little unusual, it's running. Have any of you watching ever been in a church where somebody took off running? Running the aisles. <clears throat> I, admittedly, I've done this. I've done it more than once. I had a student years ago when I was a youth pastor. He was a long-distance runner. That's what he did. And uh, he was in a South Carolina camp meeting, I remember, and the Lord touched that teenage boy. He took off running around the tabernacle. It was, it's a big, that's a big building. You just don't understand. It, it can hold two, 3,000 people. He's running around the perimeter. He's running, he's running, and he won't stop. And, and the Lord is still, you know, had blessed people, but now it had gone back to the service and preacher preaching. But he's still running. And, and, and I was told that an usher, seeing what was going on, uh, was in the back near a door, and as, as, as Raymond went by, he opened up the door and rerouted him, and they said the last time they saw him, he was running across the campground in Malden, South Carolina. I'm sure he stopped by now. That was a long time ago. But people run. That's, you, know, you may say, well, that's, that's foolish. That's ridiculous. Why would anybody do that? Well, what happens is the presence and the power of God comes upon a person so mightily, so strong that they can't stand still or sit still that it gets into them and they, they've got to run. They just they feel like they've got to run and so they, they take off running. And you say, well, Pastor, that's ridiculous. Well, hold on, hold on. This happened in the Bible. It happened to a mighty, powerful man of God that you cannot question this man. His name was Elijah. It was at Mount Carmel. Elijah took on the prophets of Baal, built an altar, prayed a short prayer, Fire fell from heaven, consumed the sacrifice. He told him, grab those prophets of Baal and kill them. They were, they were wicked men, and he said, kill them. They're leading people away from God and leading them to hell. And so they destroyed them. And, and then he went up on a mountain and he prayed. And God showed him there had not been rain for three and a half years. And God showed him, I'm about to send rain. And he went down, and King Ahab was there, wicked king. And the king was there, and he said, Ahab, you better hook up your horses and chariots, and you better get back to your city of Jezreel because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And old Ahab said, if a man can pray down fire, he can pray down rain. And he got in his chariot and his horses, and he took off to Jezreel, and that chariot uh, uh, rider, uh, was, was driver was slapping those horses, whipping them, and 
and, 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 and the reins were let loose and that chariot was flying. He's trying to get back. He doesn't want the king to get wet and the king's holding on for dear life when suddenly he looked out of the corner of his eye and who did he see? He saw old Elijah the prophet running as fast as a horse, as horses and a chariot, which has to be supernatural. And the Bible says not only did he run up to them, but he ran past them. Let me show you what the verse says. It's 1 Kings 18.46. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. He outran, whoo, he outran the horses and the chariots all the way back to the city. He said, why did God do that? I think God one more time wanted to show old King Ahab his power and his might. And that's what happens when the natural meets the supernatural. Listen, we don't handle snakes. But it might be in our services that the Spirit of God gets on somebody where they can't steal any, sit still anymore, stand still, and they might run just under the power of God experiencing his presence and his glory. It's, it's part of, it's, it's oftentimes part of being spirit-filled. The third one I want to talk about is dancing. Now, that's not as radical as running, but we do dance. We don't handle snakes, but there's sometimes we dance in church. Now, what do you think of when I mention dancing? Do you think of nightclubs, honky-tonks? Uh, do you think of a, a, a popular pop singer? Uh, gyrating on a stage what comes to your mind for some of you it may be well I would never think about church pastor I just would never think about dancing in church I don't think I think dancing is a secular activity that has no place in the church well the Bible says otherwise the Bible says that dancing should be part of the believers expression of praise and worship I, I can't give you every verse there are lots of them but let me give you three Psalm 149 verse 3 says, let them praise his name with the dance. Psalm 150 verse 4 says, praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Ecclesiastes 3 4 says, there is a time to mourn and there is a time to dance. There is a time. There is a, sometimes it's the right time to dance and that can happen in church. Now, why do people dance? People dance to celebrate. People dance at joyous occasions. I, I think about weddings. Usually the wedding is uh, very, very proper, a lot of pomp and circumstance. But boy, when that announcement is made that the, the man and the woman are now husband and wife and they go out and the pictures are done, then everybody gets in an area and the party begins. Now they're married. Now it's time to celebrate the marriage and so they have a DJ and he's playing music and people get out on the dance floor and they're doing the Cupid shuffle and they're doing the electric slide and, and whatever else. And they're just out there having a lot of fun and, having, and of course the, the father of the bride dances with his daughter and, and the mother of the groom dances with her son and it's just a celebration time. It's a joyous occasion and I, I love it. I love going to weddings. I grew up, see, in, in a very strict uh, religion. Very strict. Dan dancing was considered a sin. We couldn't dance. It, it was taboo. So I grew up my whole life not allowed to dance. And, and early in my ministry, through probably the first 10, 12 years, the full-time ministry, I would go to weddings, and they would be out there, and I, I would think, you know, I'm a pastor. I don't need to be out there. And I got to thinking, you know, I, 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 I've always been told that's wrong. I'm, I'm just going to sit here and watch. 
But, but, but it was just a short time after that I got liberty. And I thought, you know, there's not a thing wrong with this. We're saved. Nobody's doing anything vulgar. We're having fun. And I looked at my wife at a wedding, and I said, let's get out there and let's go dance. And we went out there, and we, we had ourselves a time. And ever since then, I'm 54, but if I do a wedding and they have a DJ, a lot of times they do the Cupid Shuffle. I'm out there going to the left, to the left, to the right. To, now kick, now kick. And I'm doing all that. I'm having the time. Why? Because it's a celebration time. Now, here's what I'm trying to show you. There are times when it's good to celebrate Jesus with the dance. Sometimes when you think about all that he has done for you and how good he's been to you, your heart is filled with elation and then you can't help but dance. You can't help but move. You can't help. You may not be able to dance, but you jump up and down. You leap. You move around. You step around a little bit. Why? Because your heart is filled with joy and you've got to let it out. You've got to express it to the Lord. I, I preached not too long ago about praise and I talked in that message about David. David brought the Ark of the Covenant up to Jerusalem. And it was a celebration time. It was a joyful time. And the Bible says that David laid aside his royal crown and his royal scepter and all of his royal clothes. And he put on an ephod, which was the, the garb of a priest, of a minister to the Lord. And the Bible says that David danced before the Lord with all of his might. I love that. You know, some of you are saying, well, I'd never dance in church. Well, let the young people dance and and uh, people who are young in the Lord, they can dance. They don't know better, but I'm not going to act like that in church. Well, I don't know if I agree with you. You need to, listen, if David could dance, who was a king, I think he outranks all of us. David didn't let his position, his title, anything hold him back. He was excited about Jesus. And let me, let me explain to you. If you read this in the Hebrew, he didn't just get out there and tiptoe around a little bit. The word in the Hebrew used to express his form of, of dance means that he spun like a top. He's, he went round and round and round and round. Like, I mean, it was crazy dancing. It was, it was wide open. His wife resented him for it. She gave him a hard time. She said, you need to stop that. You don't need to act like that in church. David said, let me tell you something. God has done so much for me that I'm not going to go to church and sit on my hands if I feel like Dancing, I'm going to dance. If I feel like doing anything else, I'm going to do it. You think I showed out this Sunday? You ain't seen nothing yet. You wait till I get to church the next week. That's what I'm talking about. That's liberty. When you can celebrate and rejoice and praise God, and we can do that in the dance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, here's, here's the next one. Shouting. Shouting is the last one. Uh, if you think about a Pentecostal, spirit-filled person, you've ever been to a... Spirit-filled church, nine times out of ten, somebody's going to do some shouting. Somebody is going to lift their voice. Somebody's going to give a victory cry, a, a cry of jubilee, a shout of joy. And there are times when it is appropriate to do that in a church. Now, there are times when it's not. But there are times when it is appropriate and it's something that God wants. There are times when you need to say glory. There are times when you need to yell out loud, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. You, sometimes you just need to give a good old amen. Woo! Sometimes you just need to give a woo. I, 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 I like every once in a while to go, woo, hallelujah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Let me give you scriptures. Psalm 47.1 says, oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. You know, we, we clap in our church. 
After somebody sings, we clap to the Lord. Sometimes we clap just to give God a standing ovation. But the Bible says don't just clap your hands. It says, oh, clap your hands, all you peoples, and then shout to God with a voice of triumph. Who shouts? Winners. Winners. Losers don't shout. Losers drop their head and sulk off the field. But winners shout. Winners yell, winners rejoice. Let me tell you something, we're on the winning team. We serve a God that has given us victory. We are more than conquerors. And even when we feel like we're losing, we can still shout because ultimately we know we win. Hallelujah. So that's what the Bible says, Psalm 98 verse four. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice and sing praises. Psalm 100 verse one says, make a joyful shout to the Lord. Do you get my drift? God wants us to express ourselves to him, to get loud. Sometimes you get, get, get loud with the Lord. Not all the time, but sometimes you just, there's, there's, there are moments when you need to release and express to him your praise and adoration. You know, it's not as if we don't know how to shout. We shout at our children's and grandchildren's ball games. We yell out loud in our living rooms when our favorite college team scores a goal or a touchdown or a basket or, or a run, whatever the game is, listen, that's fun. That's, that's well and good. When, I, when I'm watching my favorite college team, if they score a touchdown, I'm up, I'm, I'm up and down. I come out of my chair. I'm yelling. I'm high-fiving everybody around the room. I'm celebrating that, you know. But then we come to church and we sit on our hands and we don't do anything and we don't sing and we don't give God anything. Listen, that, that's not the way it should be. If you, whatever you give to man, you ought to give God more. I made up my mind years ago that I was not going to be guilty of giving man praise but holding back on God with his praise. I made up my mind that I'm going to give God the praise that he deserves. I'm going to shout. I'm going to yell. I'm going to say glory, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, because God is worthy. He's done so much for you. You need to give him praise. You need to give him glory. You need to shout. He saved you. He's forgiven you. He's changed you. He's washed you. He's cleansed you. He's sanctified you. Some of you, he's baptized with the Holy Ghost. He's healed your body. He's delivered you from things. He's protected you time and time again. He's bringing you through this crisis we're in right now. You ought to shout and give God praise. My Lord, I know you're sitting at home right now, but I wish some people at home would just say hallelujah right now. Glory be to God. Woo, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. I feel the presence of God. Thank God for liberty. Thank God for liberty. I want to close with this. If you're listening to this message and you're saying to yourself, Pastor, woo, you're fired up. You Pentecostals sure get fired up. And I hear you. That's not for me. You can preach it all you want, but I'm not falling out. I'm never going to run an aisle. Woo, never say never. God's got this thing about when people say never. <laughs> You better watch it. Pastor, I'll never dance in church. Pastor, you'll never hear me shout in church. Well, I want you to consider something. Could it be that you're bound up spiritually and you don't even know it? Because see, people that have liberty, they don't ever say things like that. People have liberty in the Holy Spirit. They say, Lord, whatever you want. I've never run before, but 
If it happens, I'm willing. I've shouted a few times, but if it ever got more intense than it ever has, I'm willing. I've never danced in church, but, but if just something happened and the power and glory of God was so strong, I'd dance. I remember years ago, my wife and I were in the Mississippi youth camp with her younger brother, Joel Talley. We were all young. We were, Lord have mercy, we were probably 22, 23 years old, somewhere right in there, young. We, we preached, and Joel and I would go do youth camps together. He'd preach a night, I'd preach a night. He'd preach a night, I'd preach a night. And then the three of us would sing each night. And I remember one night we were in a Mississippi youth camp, and the presence and power of God was in that altar call, and Joel was playing, and we were singing, and God was moving. And I mean, the Lord just came down and people started shouting in that church. And I remember that night, something got all over me. And I threw my hand behind my back, Pastor Billy, threw my arm out. And I shouted, I shouted like they do in a black church. I'd never done that before, but I shouted all over that place like this. My wife, I, my wife shouts a whole lot more now than she did back then. She'd always worship. But that night, I remember the, the Holy Ghost hit Leah. I'd never seen that. The Holy Ghost hit her. I'm going I'm to I'm a, I'm a mimic her, not mock her, mimic her. The Holy Ghost hit my wife. She was singing. She threw that mic down. She went, woo! She did the double step. You know what I'm Crossover step. She was, she was, I'd never seen that before. Joel was on the keyboard and he started dancing while he was playing the keyboard. I don't know how he hit the right keys. But you know what? We didn't care. We had our liberty. Maybe you don't have your liberty, but you can be set free. I feel the power of God right now. You know what? We're not able to have church together, but maybe this is the time when God's dealing with your heart that you say, you know what? I don't have it. I'm missing it. But when we get back, when we get back in that first service, there are going to be some changes in the way I operate. Maybe that's what the Lord's doing in you. When I do get back, Somebody better get ready because I'm going to be letting loose some hallelujahs. Thank you, Jesus. And I might run the aisle. And if that song's singing, going good, and I'm feeling the Holy Ghost, I might get out in that aisle and dance. Woo! And if they lay hands on me, I'm going to say, God, if you just put your glory on me, and if the presence and power of God's so heavy and I fall out, Pastor, I'm going to fall out. You'll get your liberty. And it'll take you deeper in God. You'll experience things you've never known before because you're opening up your life to the supernatural power of God. You can be set free. You can have a liberty that allows you to press into the spirit of God and experience the fullness of God's blessing. You can move beyond the natural and find out for yourself what it means to have a supernatural touch from God. You better get ready because when the natural meets the supernatural, Sometimes <laughs> it's way more than the natural can stand. So get ready, but it's awesome. It's wonderful. I want you to have everything God has for you. That's why Jesus died. That's why he rose again, not just to redeem us, but so that we could experience the glory and the presence and the power of God. Hallelujah. I want you to bow your heads. I know I've been preaching on this, about the supernatural and what it means to be spirit-filled, but can we just transition right now? 
What do you need God to do in your life? I want us to pray before we close out this service. Dear Heavenly Father, I love you and thank you and worship you. I love you and glorify your name. God, right now, sitting in their homes or in their bedrooms, wherever people are, God, I, I know we're needy people. And I don't know what needs exist in the lives of those viewers who are watching right now, but I just pray wherever they are and whatever it is that, God, your spirit would reach down and touch them. Some of them may have lost their jobs. They've been furloughed. They've been laid off. Whatever it is, God, work it out. Give them wisdom. Give them favor. Give them grace. And, God, give us protection and help us, Lord, to get through this crisis and purge our land and heal us. And then God help us as the church. Let this be a wake-up call for us. A wake-up call. And God, I know next Sunday is the, the Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. May there be a resurrection of the church. Even if we can't be in a sanctuary, God, resurrect the church. Breathe life into the church. And what's been dead in us, bring it back to life, I pray. And I just love you and thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you. God bless you. If we can do anything now, let us know. You can email the church. You can, uh, you can call the church, leave a voicemail. Some of us are coming in and out at times. I've tried to keep the office staff from being together, protecting our, our, our personnel and our pastors. But, but we're checking constantly. You can use... All kinds of means, but whatever you need, let us know, okay? We're praying for you. You pray for us. I love you. God bless you. Have a, have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.